Hello, you're listening to the C to Z of movies. My name's Colin on the C. With me, as always, is Zijan the Z. Hello, Zijan. Hey, Colin. I have nothing new to share about my life. How exciting. <laughs> uh, I thought you, thought you might share our, our recent offline conversation where you asked me what I'd done with the Harry Potter tickets that we were going to go and see Harry Potter's Curse Child and I can't find any reference to them anyway in my emails. It's a bit annoying. Yeah, but I don't want to bore our listeners with that, do we? With our own personal struggles. It's, it is a struggle. It's a... It's a very personal one as well. Yeah, because looking forward to this, and um, maybe I, maybe I sent it to my work email. Who knows? Well, you better go check because I need my money back otherwise. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Do you, I don't think uh, don't think we have a contract. Yeah, well, if you're announcing your fraud out to our dear <laughs> listeners, I'm pretty sure the, certain the police will take this. What very money? Kindly. You never gave me any money, etc. Uh-huh. There you go, foolproof. I like you, Colin. I do have a statement for that. Yeah. Well, in fairness, I'm editing this podcast. I could just delete this bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you have any news? Uh, I just want to tell the audience what we're doing today. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, good start. I've been doing this for a while. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about Kingsman The Golden Circle, the sequel to the Kingsman film. Yeah. Uh, we have got a quiz on the film adaptations of Philip K. Dick books. We are talking Seth Rogen films. Ooh, much, much, much more. more. But first of all, do you have any news? Hey, back to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the, apparently, this summer box office is the worst the movie industry has seen in more than a decade. Wow. Yeah, did you know that? And that's without adjusting for inflation, or yeah, which takes into account the rising cost of ticket sales, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a 14.5% drop from last summer. Wow. That's how bad this summer is in terms of films. So that's partly because this summer's films haven't been very good. Uh, uh, I'm talking about The Mummy. Uh, the Mummy the mummy was indeed the one that sprung to mind, yeah, yeah. It um, was, it started it all. But it's, presumably it's also partly because um, the whole content of a summer blockbuster period has changed a bit. So the, you're getting a lot bigger films released in, in kind of the autumn or the spring. It's like, obviously, like you've got Thor Ragnarok coming up. Yeah. uh, Is it October or maybe November? And yeah, things like, I know it wasn't this year, but Civil War was in the spring. We must have had a spring one this year. Yeah, so there were some hits. So there's Guardians of the Galaxy, Wonder Woman and Spider-Man all performed exceptionally well. And obviously there's a connection between all three films. Spot the link. Uh, Is it superheroes? Yes. Yes. Uh, As well as Dunkirk. Those are exceptions. So there were many, many flops. After The Mummy, which started this whole thing, uh, <laughs> because cursed, of Tom Cruise. Cursed the box office, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Of course, yeah, yeah. Baywatch. Yeah, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean 5. Yeah, well, that was always going to do badly, wasn't it? Transformers 5. Yeah, okay. Uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Yeah, All yeah. of them perform horribly, horribly, horribly. So, I mean... It's just been awful for the film industry right now. Hopefully, it'll pick up soon. Well, it's bad for the blockbusters, but uh, you got because it has done remarkably well, hasn't it? Yeah, it's it kind of saved it, though. Mm. Yeah, at the at the back end of it, you know, it's currently breaking September records. It's the biggest September release of all time in the US. Did you know that? No. Wow. Mm. Apparently, it's also the most watched trailer or the fastest watched trailer or something of of all time. Like people watching it like five times faster than the Force Awakens, which I or something like that, which I can't possibly believe. To be honest, that seems why crazy. not? No? I mean, it has a lot of nostalgia as well, doesn't it? As much it as Star does. Wars does. As much as Star Wars, you think? Really? 
Well, not, I, I've been reading about people like dressing up as clowns when they go into the cinema. I don't think I'll oh, like I've, that. I've seen that, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'll like that at all. Because <laughs> yeah, as, as, as listeners will know, I'm not a horror fan. You're not a particular horror fan either. But, um, no. But I, I want saw, to watch I, it just because of this. Okay. I saw a clip of like the the TV series Tim Curry. Mm. And it looks so incredibly unscary. It's, uh, maybe for the time it was terrifying. But, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think it is like one of those horror films... Uh, you know, like Alien and Jaws, for example. Okay. You know, there's a lot of memory of how much it scared people right. back yeah. then. And hence, that carried on till today. And it, it wasn't a bad film as well. I I read some reviews and they were pretty good. So that helped as well. Unlike the Alien sequels, which... Yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, that's uh, what I think. Speaking of Star Wars, some, some huge Star Wars news that hit after we recorded, but before we released uh, the episode last time is it a new director it's the fact that Mark Hamill has declared himself a Wolves fan a what a Wolves wolf fan of Wolverhampton Wanderers huge no. news Ejan. massive news no this are is you on... serious so what happened Mark Hamill who, who's on Twitter he's quite good on Twitter actually I follow him on Twitter uh, and someone basically said to him do you like wolves or something and he liked this tweet thinking they were talking about the animal um, and then the wolves for, for our international listeners a football team, quite coincidence, the football team I support. No one knows it, Colin. One of the greatest football teams uh, the game has ever seen. Uh, the, that the pr- is a hyperbole. <laughs> the press office clearly uh, got in, got in the of overdrive and they, they got in touch with him. And yeah, he's declared himself a Wolves fan. There you go. Huge, huge news. What do you think about this huge news, Eugen? So you tricked him? Uh, not me. Someone did. So um, someone tricked him? Yes, but, but, but he said... At first, I wasn't aware. Well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing slightly, um, but they treated me like family, and so now I'm a Wolves fan. Cool. But yeah, but also there's a new director, whatever. But it's yeah. it's the it's the football connection that has finally made uh, supporting Wolves all these years worthwhile. A, Is it really, really? Have you been waiting this long for this? That, that's definitely hyperbole. Um, <laughs> JJ Abrams is in, which uh, I think we said last time that he, he might well have been. Yes, between him and the current director, right? So <laughs> that was a fifty-fifty chance. Yeah. But I was, it's fascinating. I, I was reading um, an article in Empire magazine about. Was, I think it's before all this happened, but it's an interview with Ryan Johnson, who's directing the um, Last Jedi, and they've got way more power than I thought they would have had. Oh, the directors. Yeah. So apparently, he came up with the entire storyline. Even came up with the title. So, because uh, I was thinking, at the end of Force Awakens, you've got Luke and and Ray meeting each other, and all this, and kind of, oh, what's going to happen? And according to this interview, at least, they hadn't told him. Like, he had to figure it all out. What's Luke doing there? What's the relationship? What, what's going on? Which amazed me. I thought they'd have given him a kind of story beat that he had to, had to write around. So maybe Colin Trevorrow had all kinds of outlandish ideas for the, for the whole story that they didn't like. So they had to bring back J.J. Abrams. Yeah. yeah. To repeat the storyline that was done 20 years ago. So a lot of people said that. They? Uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's a great... I think it's safe fair hands. I think it did a great... Really great job with Force Awakens. So, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I wasn't on the podcast that where you discussed it, but I enjoyed no. it. No, uh, well, I think that, I think it actually predates we, 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 the the Star Wars podcast where you went around was for Rogue One. Uh, oh Force, yeah, that's true. Force Awakens predates our podcast. We could always go back, Colin. We could go back. Uh, is this your your bid to uh, to finally get to talk about Star Wars on the podcast? Or? Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether I have much to contribute about Star Wars. Fair it's enough. it's okay. There we go. Like Star Trek more. Ah, oh, dear. <laughs> you're, you're with Quentin Tarantino. Apparently this week he said that uh, 
you, you prefer Star Trek. I wasn't going to have that as one of my news items, but since you since I segued nicely into it. Yeah, well, it's... I just like Star Trek more. I don't know why. It's, uh, I think, more of the discovery of new planets, etc., rather than this ongoing saga with the you know, Skywalker family. You prefer Treks to Wars? Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess so. Fair enough. Uh, do you have any any news? Other news, you mean? <laughs> any other news? Uh, uh, the Terminator series? Yes. Um, Linda Hamilton's coming back. She's coming back. That was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I know. Uh, she'll be reprising the role of Sarah Connor. And it's been over 25 years since she last appeared on the big screen in that franchise. Oh, is it really? It's a long, long time. Yeah, I suppose it is. Terminator 2. Yeah. Yeah. Arnie's obviously returning as well. Yeah, he'll come back for anything. <laughs> it's nothing much for him to do now. He's hitting the Apprentice USA, so I guess yeah. president soon. Well, he can't be president because he wasn't born in America. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it'll change it for him. So, yes, I'll, I'll get right on that. It's a bit of a kick in the teeth for Amelia Clark, who was who played uh, Sarah Connor in oh, uh, are you, are you, Genesis. Are you here to po- you know post your t- Twitter feud again? <laughs> I wasn't going to, but if you since no, you mentioned it, no, we don't need to do that. Okay. Well, it'd be interesting to see what I, mean, I think she. I don't know whether she's seen a script or whether it even is a script at this point. But, uh, hmm, maybe it'll be like who knows? She could be there. Could be like past and future Amelia. Yeah, apparently well, she. Past and future. Oh, yeah, you never know. Yeah, Sarah, yeah, Sarah Connor. Connor. Yeah. But uh, apparently she's not the star. They're looking for an 18-year-old lead, apparently. Uh, oh, okay. Female lead. Um, the next piece of news is something we've already announced twice on the podcast, but apparently both times we, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> what? Patty Jenkins is officially back on board. For, no, for... we didn't mention that so many times really, Colin. We have, but it apparently only got announced this last couple of weeks. What? So, so I don't know where we're getting all our information from. Oh. But, we, if we, yeah, we keep being conned into thinking it's official, but... Uh, so maybe there'll be a fourth one. I don't know, but it seems official this time. I don't know. It's so weird. I keep like I saw a headline like um, Patty Jenkins signs on. It's like surely, surely this happened twice already. <laughs> She's making a lot of money though. Yeah, biggest for this. female director pay full time or something. Still a long, t- a long way to go. I imagine from like compared to the male directors. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame. I guess because when you come back for the sequel, you can always demand more. Uh, yes, I suppose so, but she did really well for Wonder Woman. Maybe the Hurt Locker 2 can get Catherine Bigelow uh, a big payday. Mm. Or Point Break 2. They must be making a Point Break 2 at some point. <laughs> yeah, because we, we have our you know years with uh, all the producers out there. Yeah. They did a remake of Point Break, didn't they? Did they? Yeah, apparently it was terrible. <laughs> um, a couple of years ago, maybe last year. Um but yeah, I'm sure. They keep talking about Bill and Ted 3. Maybe Keanu Reeves can just keep doing all his old films. Uh, Point Break 2. The Lake House 2. Who knows? Uh, speaking of Wonder Woman, and again, I got this from one website, which is almost certainly the same website that told us that Patty Jenkins had signed the first half of times. Uh, apparently she's going to be in Flashpoint. Wonder Woman's going to be in Flashpoint? Apparently. The the Flash film, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, is is Batman, Batman going to be there? Well, they didn't say, just said, I think it was just some article, it's probably the same article that announced by Jenkins, actually, it just said at the end, Wonder Woman will return in Justice League and in Flashpoint. So I think it, it kind of makes sense, though, right? Like, Yeah, to be honest, I'm not sure how you would do Flashpoint without bringing all of them in. Exactly. Is, yeah. Because, I mean, he's changing, basically, the, the history of the universe, as it is in Flashpoint. Spoiler alert for those who do not know, he changes, he alters the timeline. So, I, I, I'm guessing that they'll show all this um, 
heroes right now in Justice League in different um, incarnations of them. Yeah. yeah. So they will have to bring them back. Yeah, it'd be a bit weird to kind of say, well, I've changed everything, but you're not going to see any major characters. It's going to be my dad. When's that going to come out anyways? Well, Flashpoint's not, not, not for... Not maybe. for a long, long time. 2022, maybe. Oh, God. That's a bit of a guess. What do I have next? Uh, Nick Cage. Oh, yeah. You know Nick Cage, our friend, Nick Cage. Our friend, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's been quiet for a while. Well, he's probably put, he's probably put about 10 films last year. but uh, That's true, that we do not know of. Yeah. So his next film is an action film called Primal. Okay. So I'm going to give the synopsis of this. Yes. So Cage, he'll play a big game hunter working on behalf of a zoo. He must survive on a Greek freight liner after his haul of dangerous exotic wild animals is set free by an escaped political assassin. Right. <laughs> aboard the ship to be extradited to the US. So it's kind of a Noah's Ark kind of thing going on, is it? Yes. But he's a game hunter. I mean, like, he hunts... I, I would want to see him getting his comeuppance in this film. If oh, you think like, uh, the, the, the rhinoceros attack or something? I hope so. Fair enough. Yeah, he, but... Okay. Nick Cage, after all, right? His choice of films have not necessarily been the best. Yeah, I mean... Well, the, the rumours are that he has like massive debts or something so he basically has to I'm not sure the, the rumours everyone knows it. so he uh, has to take all kinds of garbage what? Uh, is that true? yeah I think I think so that's why he makes so many films isn't it? so you say he's been quiet uh, he made one, two, three, four, five, six, seven films in 2017 so far apparently <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah no one's seen any of them <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, in fairness three of them haven't been released yet but um what Mum, name and, no, no, no. Mum and Dad, Inconceivable, A Vengeance, A Love Story, Southern Fury. That's his released 2017 films. He only made five last what? year. <laughs> what? Last, five last year? <laughs> which were he's, he's Ar- like the war. Army of One, USS Indianapolis, Men of Courage, Snowden, which I actually saw, uh, Dog Eat Dog, and The Trust. He's Hollywood's most hardworking actor. Yeah, but they're all like director video. He just, they probably don't call it director video anymore, but, um, Yeah, poor guy. Poor guy. Oscar winner Nicolas Cage. This is what happens. Yep. Oh, I'm bet he was alright in Snowden. Uh, <laughs> fair play, fair play to well, him. Well, good. Good, fun. good on him. Yeah. Um, you, you probably know a lot more about Akira than I do. Uh, Akira? Yeah. It's uh, uh, an anime or manga or something. It is. Yeah, it's a, ra- a race racing, race driver. Oh, yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Apparently there's a Taika Waititi is in talks to direct a film adaptation of it. Okay. Uh, so I don't know anything about this genre really, except that I've heard that Akira is very popular. Yeah, it is very popular, but I've not seen it either. Fair enough. It's uh, oh, I'm googling it right now. You can. Okay. Um, so Takara Titi, who people will know as the director of Thor Ragnarok, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, he's very funny. I don't know if Akira is funny or not. Uh, it's a cyberpunk set in post-apocalyptic Neo Tokyo. Okay. Do you think they'll whitewash it? Uh, I no. In, in the current climate, I think no. They might, really? they might, they might throw in some Caucasians into the mix. But I think uh, these days, with people getting so upset about these things, I'm sure they'll have lots of Asian actors in it. Uh, it's yeah, good though. It's moving with the times. This could be your chance, Ejen. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll appreciate an unknown Malaysian. Uh, actually to come and take over the, <laughs> these roles from them. I mean, how many Asians can there really be? 
Yeah, exactly. It's not like we're the largest population <laughs> out there. But they've got a New Zealander. To, well, he's not on board yet, but he's in talks. But um, he's a New Zealander, so uh, that doesn't feel. Well, it's weird. Sometimes, uh, sometimes Australia gets gets thrown in with Asia, like in the football. They decide to, to put Australia into the Asian qualification leagues just because they're, they're, they're winning the uh, Australasia one far too easily. So like, right, let's, <laughs> let's pretend you're an Asian country for a bit. <laughs> well, given what I've read about how many um, migrants are there in Australia now, it's turning. I mean, the 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 what's the word for it? The, the demographic of Australia has changed quite significantly in the past few years. Anyway, has so it? Who knows? What an exciting venture for our podcast today into the demographic yeah. makeup of Australia. It's part oh, of our job, Colin. I wouldn't have expected that. Um, you got any more news? Not many. My last one is basically something to do with Star Wars again, but you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has a role there. I, I would have been incredibly surprised if he hadn't because he's in all of Ryan Johnson's films. Yeah, exactly. So he has a role in upcoming Star Wars films and uh, he's worked together with Ryan Johnson in Looper, obviously. Yep. And we'll be hearing his voice, but not seeing him. Okay, because yeah, he was the star of Brick as well, and he had a like a blink and you miss it cameo in uh, the Brothers Bloom, which is Ryan Johnson's other film. So yeah, it's kind of his good luck charm. Well, he was a rising star. I don't know what happened to him. Yes. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. Yeah, he's quite a bit, isn't he? Uh, he he did a, the the film about the French acrobat, was it, or the type rope walker? Uh, yeah, the, the the walk. I think. Um, mm. Which I think is on Netflix now. He was also in Snowden. He played Edward Snowden in Snowden last year. So there you go, teaming up with Nicolas Cage. Uh, the, the only other news I've got, there's a couple of films that are filming. So The Irishman, we've, we've talked about before, it's going to be on Netflix, but it's uh, getting a lot of buzz because it's Martin Scorsese and it's reuniting. It's got uh, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino and uh, Joe Pesci, among others. Uh, but that started filming. with apparently a $125 million budget, which must be a Netflix record, isn't it? They're, they're not. Mm. They can't spend that much anything. That's, I mean, that's a huge budget for a for Netflix. Netflix seems to have a lot of money. I have no idea where this money comes from. They don't have advertisements. Comes from, comes from you and me, Zijan. Yeah, my seven quid a month. Yeah. Um, and uh, Escape Plan 3 is filming, which I only mentioned because Escape Plan 2 hasn't come out yet. I just think that, that shows remarkable confidence in the Escape Plan franchise. But, uh, what is what? Escape Plan? I've not seen it. Uh, Escape Plan, it was uh, Sly Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh-huh. Uh Basically, I've not seen it either, but apparently they get locked up and then escape from prisons as a way of showing the prison authorities where the weaknesses are. Uh-huh, okay. Anyway, so Arnie's dropped out, but Sly, rec- Sly clearly thinks this is the new Expendables, so he's churning out escape plan films. <laughs> uh, it's got, uh, it's got f- 50 Cent in it as well, I believe. Mm. All these singers turn actors. Yeah. In fact, so, so Sly Stallone is putting various clips on Instagram of, of him on set and he's having his little chat with 50 Cent and talking about his own singing in the film Rhinestone where he played a country music star. So uh, there you go. Uh, we move on, Zijan. We move on to uh, to C or Not to Z uh, where we talk about a film we've seen recently and say whether you should see it or whether you should not Z it. Um, <laughs> what is heck is not Z it? <laughs> anyway, I've not seen anything recently in the past couple of weeks. So I have nothing to share. Okay, I saw a film last night called uh, True Story, which is on Netflix now, which I've been waiting to see for a while because it, it, I don't think it actually got released over here. So it stars Jonah Hill, James Franco, and uh, Felicity Jones. Wow. And it's um, it's the real-life story of this journalist called Mike Finkel who uh, he got thrown off the New York Times for lying, basically. He kind of fabricated some of his 
sources. Um, and then he discovers that this guy who's in prison, or in fact he's in prison awaiting trial for murdering his family, uh, claimed to be Mike Frinkle from the New York Times. So he goes and talks to this guy and tries to get um, to kind of understand whether he did it and why, if he did, and all this kind of stuff. Um, okay. Yeah, it's. I think Jonah Hill's very good in it. It's one of his very, very straight role. Jonah um, Hill is getting... You know, very, very good in acting. Yeah, he's, well, he's got a couple of Oscar nominations, hasn't he? Um, yes, it's it's like he's come a long way. Yeah, so I thought he was really good. In it. James Franco, it's, it's like like many James Franco performances, is pretty weird, eccentric. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's not. He doesn't play it big. Like it's, it's not a um, kind of over the top performance, but he's kind of playing it kind of dazed, um, a little bit confused, and kind of very reticent a lot of the time, which I think is kind of supposed to because you're not really sure whether he did it or not, and neither's. Joan Hill's character so I guess he's trying to convey that but um, some odd choices and yeah Felicity Jones doesn't get much to do to be honest she uh, oh. she plays Joan Hill's wife so yeah she really she, I mean I, I really watched it because I'm a big fan of hers so I thought it was worth trying but um, yeah she, she most of what she does is kind of just looking um, disturbed by what he's doing and getting worried okay. about stuff um, and, that's, that's okay. going to be quite difficult yeah I mean she I say she's got much bigger range than that so kind of he, he, Jonah Hill gets a bit obsessed with his guys. So he's like picking up pictures all over the place, and she kind of walks into it and looks at them and looks worried. And, <laughs> okay. think, well, like, and she gets a bit more to do towards the end, but that's basically it. Um, so yeah, it's on Netflix, so it's, might as well watch it. It's not. I couldn't give it a massive recommendation. I think um, yeah, Jonah Hill's very good, but the direction's a bit odd. There's a couple of things that clearly the director had some big ideas. Like they kept focusing on on James Franco's hands. Okay. But it didn't seem to have any reason for doing it. It's just clearly he'd seen this happen in some other film and thought, well, that was cool. I'll do that. Uh, There's one point Jonah Hill beats up with the prosecutor a couple of times, and both times it's near water, which I've seen. Apparently, is it the the departure? There's some films like various things happen near water and it's very symbolic. Hmm. But this really didn't seem to be symbolic of anything. It's just a doctor's (laughs) like, oh, near water. That's fabulous. It looks like a good scene. Yeah. Yeah, One pretty weird one where this guy, the prosecutor comes up to him in court and says i need to talk to you and like the next scene there was this remote lake i think what was the point of that <laughs> <laughs> anyway so it's not the not the greatest but it's it's fine you know, it's fine enough. so okay it's on netflix anyway so you've got netflix you mean exactly so if you, yeah if you don't like it you can switch it off uh, exactly <laughs> right we move on to the main topic of today kingsman the golden circle um i, I believe the first kingsman is on netflix still yes it is it, it, it was why i watched it um yeah, the gang's all back. Tara Egerton playing Eggsy. Mm-hmm. Colin Firth, in, I don't think that's a spoiler because he's all over the trailers. Playing Harry. Playing Harry. Got Mark Strong playing someone Scottish. Um, <laughs> Merlin, Merlin. Uh, Merlin, I'm not sure what his real name is. Uh, no one knows his real name, right? I don't know. Um, and this time we have a, an all-star American cast joining the fun. Uh, um, starting with Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore, Chang Tatum, Jeff... Bridges, Halle, Halle Berry, Berry. Uh, someone who apparently is in Game of Thrones called Pedro Pascal. In fact, it's not American, is he? But um, he's American. I don't know. Anyway, he's playing an American character. Are those all the uh, American stars we have? I think so. Those are those are the main ones, anyway. There you go. Yeah. So, well, what do you think? Uh, so basically, Kingsman is a straight up sequel. Kingsman Two: The Golden Circle is a straight straight up sequel. It follows straight after the first film, if I'm not mistaken, or a few months after. Uh, yeah, it's probably. I think it's kind of it's not instantly after, is it? But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's not too far gone. And for those who've not seen the first film, Kingsman One is a spy caper. It's quite outlandish at at parts. 
Like actually, most parts is outlandish. Yeah, it's <laughs> but, very, yeah, it's very uh, much marketed, isn't it, as the kind of James Bond, but really out there, very very out there. And Kingsman Two basically um, uses the same formula; it's still as outlandish. Um, I think it tries too hard sometimes in this film. Okay, uh, but the general uh, general plot for the viewers, anyway, no spoilers. We'll do a spoiler thing later, anyway. Yep. Um, it's um, XC uh, is back. We have a new villain played by Julianne Moore, yes. who is in charge of a drug cartel. Yes. And it's basically um, Ixie's job to try and defeat her, as per the first film where he was trying to defeat Samuel L. Jackson. And he teams up with uh, the Americans. With, uh, American statesman. I don't think that's a spoiler either because that's in the trailers. Um, so it's weird, the, the whole outlandish aspect of it. I don't. I, I didn't watch the first Kingsman for a long time because I kind of heard it was really, really kind of out there and extreme. Yeah. And eventually it was on Netflix. So I'll give it a try. And I actually found it much less extreme than I thought it was going to be. Um, mm. So it's, it's clearly played f- for laughs more than a James Bond film, say. So it's it's definitely uh, a bit more comicy. I mean, it's based on a comic, isn't it? So, yes, apparently. Yeah. Um, but. Well, both this one and the last one, there's kind of there's one scene in both that is really kind of, frankly, quite crude and unnecessary. I think and kind of <laughs> really pushing the envelope. Um, but the rest of it is fairly uh, unexceptional. And there's obviously there's swearing, and but it's, it's, even the violence isn't kind of, it's not uh, really pushing the violence hard, is it? It's not kind of a. Isn't fireworks at the end of the film? Yeah, so it's the first spoiler. It's the first one, but yeah, they they kind of blow up everyone. But, uh, <laughs> but even that is kind of yeah, you see a firework as opposed to blood spattering everywhere. And mm. I was kind of expecting more of um a Watchmen or something like that, or, or uh, where is it Watchmen where the violence is really graphic, and you just don't get that at all. And the same in this one. So you get people uh, no spoilers. Someone gets their, their neck broken, say, but it happens off screen like you might expect in a James Bond film or something like that. It's, yeah, you don't see uh, it as opposed to a really brutal thing so um so but it's both of them um, it seems kind of like yeah at one point I think right let's really really uh really offend people but other than that it's kind of well that's really out of place in this film what's the, what was the point of that mm, it's, i it's can't like, i'm trying to remember which part you're talking about i can't i can't seem to think I... so in the first one uh the the, the final scene I, I, I don't really want to describe them to be honest they're that offensive but um a sex-based joke um okay so in, in this one film? so in this one um what is Oh, maybe we should save the spoilers, but um. It's... Okay, we'll save it then. Yeah, we'll come we'll back talk to it. about it then. Yeah, um, I think you you touched upon why. Okay, I definitely like this film, but I definitely preferred the first one more. Okay, but I I think because you touched on the point, because the first one it wasn't as outlandish as it was made out to be. It was there was some groundedness in it, even though it's a bit silly and it's a bit fun, it's a bit campy. Yeah, but there was some you know depth in it. I thought this film, however. It kind of loses that, and it went more for the, you know, grand, weird, you know, imagery, and it's just didn't work as well. Yeah, because I said, well, I think like, I think I agree. I preferred the first one, but um, but yeah, that was very much. It was kind of a fairly standard trip, wasn't it? Because so working class guy, he's been brought into this upper class organization, and he feels mm. like an outsider, but then he wins the respect of everyone and saves the world. Um, it felt a bit like Men in Black in some ways, kind of. Yeah. Will Smith's character kind of coming in so well, I, don't, I don't fit in here at all but actually he ends up fitting in and you kind of get the same kind of concept there and you've got, and you've got Colin Firth doing great great work he's always always good what what both these films had in common I think was um, really great fight scenes and I don't 
I don't normally go to the film to see a fight scene, but just really kinetic, very, very energetic, great camera work, kind of unique style. You don't see that kind of thing. So um, I don't, a lot of it feels quite CGI, but you've got, kind of got the camera flinging around all over the place. You've got um, people jumping in and out of shot. You've got uh, various different weapons being used in imaginative ways. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's just really fast paced, really enjoyable bits. And yeah, again, the, the violence is quite cartoony and it's not graphic. Yep. But it's just that's, kind that's of true. fun dynamic. And it's just entirely unrealistic. It's not <laughs> kind of a Daniel Craig, James Bond type. I'm pretty certain thing. that's what they're going for anyway. Exactly, yeah, yeah. This, it's a very much a heightened reality, isn't it? It's, uh, mm. Although there was some shoddy editing in the fight scenes as well, though. Like um, in the bar scene this time around, the, okay. the fight scene in the bar. You, I was watching it and I noticed that you don't see... Uh, because Axie and Harry and Merlin were sitting at the back of the bar, right? Yeah. The whole time. There were scenes when they cut to the fight scene and you don't see them at the back of the bar. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So that's like, uh, you could yeah. have just put them there, you know. It's not, it's not too difficult. Or just, you know, show the camera. And, Fair enough. I, I, did, I didn't spot that to be honest. Uh, yeah. Charlie editing. Good good work. Good, not, good uh, observation. But yeah, whilst this one was on a bigger scale and it was less of a clear narrative, I, I kind of admire that they managed to get a story rather that wasn't just retelling the story of the first film. Because I think mm. a lot of sequels have this problem where they do well, they tell a story and think, okay, well, how can we tell that one again? Just bigger. And this one, they kind of, I think it feels very franchise-ready in that you've kind of, you've built the situation, you've built characters. I don't think the characters, particularly Taron Egerton uh, and Van Colin Firth and uh, Mark Strong as well, but I think those the core three are really kind of engaging characters you want to see more of. And mm. that's, I think the biggest strength of this is... Yeah, just they're very engaging, and you can build this around them. Yeah, I mean the dialogue's fine enough, but it's, it's not kind of it's never it's not going to win any prizes for for dialogue <laughs> or whatever else. But it's uh, or even for even for building the characters, there's not that much to them, but just really, so I keep saying engaging, but really engaging actors. Yeah, I thought there were too, way too many characters though. Yes. This time yeah. Way, way, way too many, and so many were underserved in this film. Yeah. Like, so what's I've, the point? Jeff character. Yeah, I remember oh, it's massively overcast. Well, overcast being the cast is too big as opposed to it's cloudy. It was. Um, like Jeff Bridges' character, Channing Tatum's character were not yeah. necessary to drive the plot. Or Halle Berry's character, to be honest. Uh, uh, yeah, really. Anyone in the Statesman. Yeah. Well, it basically, so again, we'll cut more on spoilers, but um, it feels very much like yeah, this film did much better than expected the first time around. And so they, they now have the ability to bring in lots of uh, big names. Mm. And they, yeah... Clearly, I mean, yeah, the the Channing Tatum role. What was the point of that? Is... Exactly right. Why? 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 Like you could do without it and save like ten minutes of my viewing time. I would appreciate that more. Yeah. So I, to be honest, I, again, I, I think they probably brought him in just so that, just so they can use him in the sequel. I feel like there there, there are some seeds sown uh, for that. But yeah, you you could could have easily condensed at least two of the maybe the three of the characters um, into one. Yeah. It was pointed out on. I was listening to the Empire podcast. In fact, they're, they're, they're pointing out. I think there's four Oscar winners in the film now. What? No, uh, uh, the five Oscar winners. Can wow! You name, can you name them all, Zayn? Uh, Colin Firth. Yes. Uh, Julianne Moore. Yes. Uh, Halle Berry. Yes. Uh, has to be Jeff Bridges, right? Jeff Bridges. Yeah. And the last one's tricky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a very, very small role. Uh, I'll tell you, it's El- Elton John. <laughs> no, he hasn't won an acting Oscar. Oh, um, he won a 
Uh, for song, yeah, composition. I, I assume it's probably Lion King, but I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it probably uh, is. But wow, what a great caliber of actors they've managed to run up, right? Uh, yeah, a great caliber. They've given two lines to each other. I know, <laughs> right? It's insane. Yeah, actually, I thought Julianne Moore was really good. Um, it was. I thought she was really. Yeah, I enjoyed her character a lot. It's she. She was clearly enjoying herself. Yeah, I mean, it's film. a very comic book villain. Yeah, there's no. Real, I, mean, I say heightened reality, and there's no no attempt to make it seem serious. But, um, no. <laughs> but yes, she uh, she had great fun with that. Um, I guess we're coming to spoilers a bit more with, with the Halle Berry character. But um, is Halle Berry e- ever good? It was the question I was wondering. Mm. I must admit, I've not seen Monsters Ball, which is what she won the Oscar for. Yeah, me neither. But has she? Have you ever seen her in anything where she's good? Of- uh, I didn't really like her character in X Men. To be fair, she bar- yeah, she barely did anything in those. We will be at Exxon as well. Yeah. Dine of the Day, she was mediocre. Mine, the film was bad. Uh, and, I mean, I've not seen all of... I've only seen clips of Catwoman. That looked pretty terrible. I have seen Catwoman, and it is terrible. I just think, fair enough, she's got this Oscar, but... What's she done after that? She, she's not good, is she? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I can't think of anything where I've enjoyed her performance. Um, and in this one, she was particularly... I mean, she she played it very timid... Like this kind of very, she was effectively the equivalent to Mark Strong, so she's back office, like helping them out. But she, I thought she might, because she, she talks in it, and I guess it kind of spoils me, guys, that um, that she's keen to to be a field agent. Yeah. But you never get any kind of sense that she could do it or that she wants to. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, there's no, there's nothing that indicates that she's actually good at being a no a spy. I, I I did wonder whether there was stuff that was cut in that because I mean it just seems so obvious that she was going to have more to do like yeah you like you you think that you know you know when there's all this um foreshadowing yeah you think yeah. she'll come and save the day somehow exactly you know in like so. the last scene where she'll come in with like this this gadget she created and save the day and then everyone's like yep but i wonder whether they shot that and got rid of it or whether it got lost in the script process or something because it was yeah as you say foreshadowing for absolutely nothing is that a spoiler for to say that something didn't happen i don't know <laughs> um she was in cloud atlas which i saw she was she was okay in that. She was okay in that. There you go. Oh, on New Year's Eve. Oh dear. Maybe we'll see more of her in a sequel. I don't know, but... I wouldn't get too excited. Her hair was all right, no? That's pretty good hair. <laughs> well, well, well done. Um, <laughs> hair hairstylist of Kelly Berry then. Good for you. Yep. Yeah. I said we've talked about Channing Tatum. He's got yeah one scene at the beginning and then that's right. Uh, yep, you don't see him. He does a dance halfway through. He does a dance. What do you think about Elton John? <laughs> Well, he um, he outstayed his welcome. Okay, for me. Uh, but although he contributed to one of my my the biggest laughs I had in the cinema, though in the oh, film, yeah. yeah so <laughs> probably not. Uh, he yeah, he definitely did outstay his welcome after a few times, though. I've I've written here, Elton John can swear but can't act. Uh, <laughs> so yes, no, it was quite funny to see him there. Some of his scenes were like when he was just yelling swear words, were <laughs> yes. kind of amusing. But when he actually had to kind of display any emotion whatsoever in any kind of emotion, he he can't really do it. No, oh, no, poor, no, poor guy. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it would have been funny to have one scene with him in. As a, but yeah, mm. just let him be. Just let him be. It's too much. Yeah. Way too much. Shall we? Shall we go to spoilers or anything? Oh, we're not going to do the main characters. Or we can do oh yeah, well, well, I, I kind of I wrote. I guess I wrote them up saying I think just I think Terry Action's great. I've, I've only seen him in Kingsman and in uh, Eddie, Eddie the Eagle, Eagle. but he's. I think know, he's kind of a little bit 
overshadowed by the rest of the cast, though. You think so? I didn't. Mm, a little I bit. didn't get that. I, th- I, th- I, th- I think. I, mean, I say there was far too many people in the cast, but I thought he got enough of the story just because they cut back on the rest, personally. But. Hmm. And then um, Colin Firth is good. Colin Firth, yeah. Again, we should probably leave most of that to spoilers, but because um, well, cool. yeah. Uh, Mark Strong again, always, always De- strong, very dependable. Yeah, very solid yeah, actor. I um, I heard again on the Empire podcast they're interviewing him, and apparently uh, Matthew Vaughan wanted him to play it Welsh, but he can't. <laughs> but he can't do a Welsh accent. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so does Scottish instead. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh okay. well. So spoilers time. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. Spoilers! Um, okay, let's start with Colin Firth then, shall we? So, uh, when we first see Colin Firth, he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know what's going on. Oh, uh, I I didn't like this plot point at all. Okay. Yeah, I... So, I thought Colin Firth's character coming back was not a good idea. Even though I like Colin Firth, and I liked him in the first film, but, you know, all this... And it's a comic book film, yeah. so you would expect people to come back to life eventually yeah. but it doesn't service Exe's character well I thought okay I mean I thought his death served more as you know the, the, the propulsion to get yeah. Exe to do it whereas now he's come back again it's like uh, he's back again so maybe I'll just have a soft spot for people called Colin uh, I, 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 like, I think he's great in these so I'm, I'm glad he came back I, I take your point that kind of undoing the death is a bit even though this is a heightened reality and it's comic book you can't apart from this character you generally feel when people die yeah, they're, you do. they're dead. It undermines the first film a little bit. Yeah, and e- even I say, even though it's clearly not supposed to be taken seriously, the idea that someone could be shot point blank in the head, but then just put a bit of gel on their head, and then they <laughs> and they were well fine again. Because he'd have died instantly, surely. <laughs> exactly, and who can say all those people who died in this film and the previous film? Why? What makes them not be able to come back alive again? Well, that's, yeah, and I'm not. I think nothing. I think any any one of them could come back. Um, yeah, it's just comic book logic, is it? Or should we just accept that? Yeah, maybe. I mean, so I say I was happy to see Colin Firth back, albeit the plot point of he doesn't know who he is. Well, he knows he doesn't remember any of the Kingsman stuff, so he basically reverted back to when he was before he joined the army. And then he kind of said other things like, "Oh, he needs to be he needs to undergo a traumatic experience in order to remember who he is," um, which he does, and he remembers, and he's all well, he's not quite all fine. There's a whole storyline about how or subplot about how he's still seeing butterflies floating around and things, which I think you could have cut all of that without worrying. Yeah, I mean, what, if it, what, if it, what did they add it? What did they add to the point? Plot? Yeah, I mean, not a, the kind of the idea was quite fun. I guess it made that Taron Egerton had to be had to step up a bit, he had to step up a bit, and meant he could doubt him a bit. But I think this film was very, I mean, it's two hours and 20 minutes, which is a long running time for this kind of film. It is. Um, th- there's no huge scenes that I would have cut, but I think subplots like that could have gone without losing momentum. I th- to be honest, I thought he it was going to turn out that he actually did know, but he was pretending not to. So it was interesting to see the way they took it. But, um, hmm. I mean, I, as I say, I like Colin Firth as an actor, and I liked him in the first film. I just, yeah, and I just, I just didn't think he did a good... This, him coming back is not good service to the first film. Fair enough. Hmm. Speaking of service to the first film, so, so uh, the princess... <laughs> So in the first film, I say she basically was there just for a joke about sex at the end. Yes, um, that's true. But, but now it turns out they're in love, they're together, all is well. I like that her name is Princess Tilde. <laughs> 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 that, that in her uh, her voicemail said, "This is Princess Tilde." It's, I thought I found it hilarious. I don't know why. Um, there there were a lot of um, 
uh, connections to the first film, you definitely need to watch the first film to be able to pick them up. Though. Um, yeah, okay. I, I felt like, you know, I, I'm not too sure whether people who watch this film the first time around not seen the first film, whether they could pick up, you know, what's going on. Yeah, there's definitely, so even like when Colin Firth in the bar fight, when he says, man is maketh man, do you know what that means? That's a, yeah. that's a callback to the first film, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Lots of callbacks. Yeah, I think probably not too many, but um, you're right. I think it makes sense to have watched the first one to understand this one. Hmm. Uh, things like the, the scene with her parents where he's he's trying to learn how to address royalty. It was fun, but again, it didn't really go anywhere, did it? it was, yeah, uh, it, was, it was just there for... And I find it a shame that they um, killed off all the... Other, Roxy, at least. Is it her I, name, Roxy? Roxy, yeah. I was going to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't... I, I have a suspicion she's still alive, though, because, you know, you don't see her getting blown up she was she, running away she's the one I think if they bring anyone back they bring Roxy back yeah mm. as the villain next I was, time I was, out. I was just about to say they, they could do the classic brainwashed villain oh for not for, because you didn't come and save me you didn't come look for oh, yeah, okay. for me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. could be that couldn't it mm. um, or pretend villain who switches over at the last second or something like this yeah but yeah I think she, she was one of my favourite characters from the first film yeah I me think. too so yeah. I found it you know a shame that they got rid of her so, so soon in this film hmm. there's um there's apparently a comic book trope which I've called um I think it's called Girlfriend in the Fridge or Girlfriend yeah, in the Fridge or something yeah that's based on um uh Green Lantern yeah maybe, maybe you brought it up um well basically so uh, well you know better than I do but it's um the, the hero's girlfriend gets killed to give him the motivation to go after the baddies or yep the killing of the any female character to 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 prolong the motivation of the good guy yeah and so I, I, this film has been accused of being misogynistic by various people, and we're probably not the best people to discuss that. But not because we're misogynistic, just because we're men. Um, I can understand though why why yeah. that accusation comes from. I'm yeah, and, and sure. so in that case, she, yeah, she was not well served. No, um, in this film, and I I kind of get where they're coming from in terms of look, we've got all these great actors, all these Oscar winners. We're going to dump Sophie Cookson. Is that who she is? Anyway, uh, but, but still, it's, though it's a great shame. Yeah, no, I, I would have liked to see a lot more of her. I, I even thought maybe she'd come back in this film as a, but the, but they did play the emotion of so you, whether or not you think that's a good idea. The, the emotional beats I think worked. You kind of for a film that marks itself as being really out there, there was mm. genuine emotion in for the for Piggy Fragsy, but also for Mark Strong's character. Yeah, I, I think that was deserved. Uh, it wasn't like just thrown in out of nowhere. So that's yeah. good. But again, you need... It, it again reminds me of the first film. You need to kill a main character to propel the yeah. the hero forward again, which is like, he's going to come back alive again in the next film. <laughs> which, yeah, maybe. So what's the point then? Speaking of the first film, so this um, Charlie Hesketh character, who basically was a failed Kingsman applicant in the first film, mm. and everyone thought he died, but in fact he hadn't, um, turned out to be John Julianne Moore's team. I basically didn't really remember who he was until, <laughs> until they until they played clips from the first one. I was like, oh yeah, that guy. So that seems such a strange choice to bring someone back. Like, oh, yeah, it's been... yeah, of all the people, right, that they could bring back. Uh, yes. So yeah, I, I could, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have uh, missed him. I mean, it, it, he was fine, but they just needed someone for Exe to beat up, fight against, I guess. Speaking of, so I think what this film did really well was kind of right from the word go let you know what's going on in terms of it's going to be a high octane uh fairly silly uh, big cgi big well not big cgi but big big fight scenes so like the the 
I feel like they should craft an expect to settle in slowly, but uh, or but I guess maybe like James Bond, have a big action sequence straight away. But you got this massive kind of taxi chase through London right from the first minute, where Charlie is trying to attack Eggsy. Like, this is sit back and enjoy the ride. Mm. Um, that is a good is a good starting point, I think. Yeah, mm. and you should sit back and enjoy the ride when you watch this. Uh, yeah. film. don't take it too seriously. So the, the the other misogynist bit, the bit that I was saying was really crude and unnecessary. Um, uh, okay, imagine which I was in Glastonbury. Yeah. So yeah, okay, a, I remember it now. There's a female character that, uh, how can I, for a family show, how can I describe it? Uh, Eggsy needs to... Um, ins- <laughs> insert, this is a family podcast, Colin. Needs to insert a tracker, shall we say. Okay. Um, and the film, the, the camera is not shy about displaying that. So it's, again, but it just feels like a kind of a sniggering, hey, look what we can put into a film and offend people. And just so out of kilter with the rest of the film. So, yeah, I, I can understand that. Although uh, the scene before that contributed to one of my, uh, big, one of my laughs as well in that okay. film, which was the phone call between Exy and Princess oh, yes. Tilt. I thought that was so funny. That was hilarious. <laughs> when, kind of, I, I need to sleep with this girl to save the world. Yeah. <laughs> and she thought he was going to propose uh, yes. he was asking yeah that was so funny and speaking of the Alton John scene that I loved was uh, the Rocket Man scene when his face appeared in the in the dog's vision oh yes <laughs> yeah that was, that was yeah that, I, I, I burst out laughing at that scene that was just so funny <laughs> uh, we haven't talked much about Pedro Pascal who turned out to be a, so he was the, the main Kingsman guy though sorry statesman guy but he turned out to be a baddie I understand his motivations, though. I think his motivations make sense, why he acted the way he did. I'm trying to remember what they were. Uh, because uh, his wife or girlfriend got killed by... Oh, drug, yes. Drug so for those who haven't seen it, the, the whole... Yeah, Julianne Moore's drug cartel. So she runs basically all the drugs in the world somehow. Uh, and she's basically put this poison into the drugs. And various characters, including the US president, say, well, they shouldn't be taking drugs anyway, let them die. And uh, Pedro mm. Pascal's character, as Zijan says, uh, had the same... Thing because his wife was killed by a, a junkie. Yeah, to use his phrase. Yeah, that as a plot as a plan, it fits in nicely the Kingsman concept. Uh, it does. I mean, what Pedro's plan or just as uh, Julian Moore's plan Julian Moore's plan? Yeah, it does fit. Po- yeah. Poison drugs. Okay, and uh, so I know again this this film isn't supposed to be taken seriously, but okay. So the president says, right, round up all the drug or let let the drug takers who've got this disease kind of put them to four stage and stuff and then he puts them all in individual cages <laughs> where did he why? get thousands of individual cages from <laughs> and why though why do you need to put them in individual cages they're, yeah they'll be paralyzed so it's not like they'll touch each other yeah i just stacked up i'm like well this i mean the government finds it hard enough to run things normally if they can put together probably hundreds of thousands of cages at a moment's notice that's incredible. And it's weird that they can feed all of them the antidote in time before they die. Yes, the system of just sending it out by drone and hoping that you, <laughs> you, you end up near a drone. Exactly, <laughs> like, right? <laughs> like, how, how would people know? I thought it was going to be kind of a put it in the clouds so it all rains down a level. Yeah, so me like too. A, I actually thought that as well. Fantastic Beast type thing going on. Yeah. Um, but dr- <laughs> I, I guess you can't get a film made now without drones in it. So. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so the, the the Times gave this one star. They absolutely hated it, and uh, why? A lot a lot of views based on the fact it was misogynistic, but also that it was just didn't make any sense. I think that is really I don't harsh. The, 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 that yeah, is so very harsh. I think it did make sense. 
you can you can argue about the treatment of female characters, which I think could have been a lot better. And you say that that one scene that was completely unnecessary. Yeah, but I think yeah, the, the plot lines almost it, it was definitely overstuffed. But it was a good fun ride. It's good, I say uh, characters you like to see what they're doing. Like I, things like this, I always think if, if you if you can get the characters right. So things like Fantastic Beasts or, or Force Awakens, or else these big things. I think well, okay, the plot lines aren't perfect and. But these are characters you want to know what happens to them next. And I think that's the big thing. And that's mm. for Kingsman. I want to know what happens to these characters next. So, uh, yeah. Obviously, uh, apart from Halle Berry's character, which I couldn't care less. But, uh. <laughs> Poor Halle Berry. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, so uh, as, the, as we hinted at before, spoilers, at the end, she becomes the new statesman called, called Whiskey, I think. Yep. Basically, on the basis that she was standing nearby at the time. <laughs> I said, Yeah, why, why, why wouldn't I do it? I say, Okay, cool. Yeah, you're in. So <laughs> she, she invented the gel that means that being shot in the head doesn't kill you. <laughs> um, yeah, this is not a huge bit, but um, so we get told that the, the Halle Berry and Channing Tatum turn up and rescue Colin Firth. I'm done with character names, it's all actor names, uh, using this gel thing. And you see them kind of get hella choppered in on the helicopter. Mm. The helicopter then immediately takes off and leaves them there. It's like, what? Couldn't you have waited for them to to run five meters and run back again? <laughs> it's Seems difficult. Like, there you go. That was my big, big quibble with this film. <laughs> well, if that's your biggest quibble, then yeah. it's not that bad a film, yeah. really. So I think yeah, Kingsman Three is is being talked about. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they made one of them. I think don't. Yeah. So. Channing Tatum, as you said at the end of the film, he's wearing the Kingsman out like a kind of classic British outfit with a bowler hat and everything, like we all wear. Of course, um, every day, my Sunday best. Yes, something as I, I would happily watch the next one as long as you don't add another five characters to it. Um, <sighs> you, you hope so, but I think they will. I mean, they're not going to be able to resist doing some stunt casting, are they? But yeah, maybe bowler hat, Channing Tatum's role. Obviously, Mark Strong's gone now. Hmm. Uh, Jeff Daniels fine. You can give him a few lines at like a Michael Bank, Michael Gamble in this film if you have to. Wasn't it Michael Caine before? Was it? Maybe not. I have definite memories of Michael Caine being in the first one, but um, that might not be true. But overall, I had a good fun ride. I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. A little bit, uh, a few minutes too long. Yeah, definitely, and not as good as the first one. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd probably put them on a par. Uh, Fair enough. Right, I'll do. Um, let's move on to Actor Factor. Actor uh, There you go. Um, where we talk about the films of a particular actor. Uh, this time it's Seth Rogen, as chosen by Usagen. Um, yes. Kick us off. Tell us about uh, Seth Rogen films. So, Seth Rogen is well known for his comic roles, especially yes. in films by Judd Apatow. Yes. Uh, he and Judd Apatow are basically like brothers. He's in almost all of his films, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I... And I've seen one, two, three, four, five, six, ten. Ten of his films. I've only seen seven. So the Jack Apatow films that I've seen him in are Knocked Up. Uh, yes, his, his kind of his breakout role for what? His breakout role. And Chodera's breakout as well, wasn't it? And The 40 Year Old Virgin. Oh, yes. Mm. So Knocked Up, let's start with that. It's uh, his breakout role. Uh, it has Catherine Heigl in it, mm. Paul Rudd in it, and Leslie Mann. So Catherine Heigl back when she was actually, you know, a rising star as well until yeah, she became it. yeah weird. Uh, so it's about <laughs> <laughs> it's about her, you know, being um, basically knocked up by yes. uh, Seth Rogen's character, who is a, a lovable guy. He always plays lovable guys, doesn't he? Uh, pretty much. Yeah, he, he tends to be uh, uh, everyone's uh, best friend. Yeah, every, yeah, everyone's best friend. 
not not your usual main character. No, and he's usually trope. usually a stoner as well. <laughs> he does that. He does that a lot, especially with uh, James Franco. Yes, uh, your best friends. Um, Knocked Up isn't my favorite film of his, um, but it's his first film, and um, that's how he honed his comedic chops, I guess. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing before. He's, I mean, like, he he strikes me as the kind of guy who's probably doing stand up in in clubs somewhere. Or, mm, he does. Kind of I, I must admit, I, I'm not really a fan of that that genre, which is probably why I've not seen that many of his films. So I, I've not seen any of those. I've seen really. Bits. I've seen bits of them, but I think I watched about two minutes of the forty-year-old virgin. Uh, <laughs> Why? I, the forty-year-old virgin is very funny. It's very, very funny. Okay. Yeah, and I don't really watch this kind of films anyway, but it's it is surprisingly very funny. And as several guns and the main character is Steve Carell, yeah, the forty-year-old yeah. virgin. He plays the titular character. Um, Paul Rudd is back. Uh, Elizabeth Banks, Jane Lynch. So a lot of good comedic actors. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So. Um and it's done it's done really well. It's uh probably my favorite Jad Apatow film. Really. Okay, but not your uh, favorite Seth Rogen film. I'm uh, going through uh maybe it's quite close, but it, it's still a good film though. Okay. I would highly recommend this film. So uh, of the, of the seven I've seen, to be honest, Donnie Darko, I didn't even know who was in it. <laughs> yeah, me neither. According to IMDb, he is. Um, Twenty Two Jump Street, he's. He's in one kind of twenty jump street at the end they do kind of lots of fake trailers for future jump street films. And there's one where the, the conceit is that, that Jonah Hill hasn't agreed to come back, so Seth Rogan plays the character instead. That's hilarious um, though. That was the that was, yeah. that was such a good scene. I love uh, that scene like so say, much. Twenty jump street is good fun, but the, the the end trailer section is the best bit for me. Yes, um, I agree. But I you struggle to really call that a Seth Rogen film. Um, <laughs> um, he, so in fact, this is the end I've seen, which is, is that Judd Apatow? It feels like it probably is, but uh, maybe not. Which is, is the idea is these guys are mostly playing themselves. So it's, it's everyone that you've just met, Seth Rogen, James Franco, Jonah Hill, uh, I think Aziz Azari plays up. Emma Watson turns up for oddly, but um, yeah, a lot of that kind <laughs> of gang. They're playing themselves and it's the apocalypse, basically. Of course. And the Backstreet Boys came they did, didn't they? Mm. Channing Tatum's in it in a very strange part. Um, so that that was odd, but I watched it on a plane. <laughs> it was fun. Personally, my favourite... Well, there's two that are up there. So Steve Jobs, um, he plays Wozniak. Was it Wozniak? Wozniak? Yeah, Basically, Steve Wozniak. Yeah. Um, and it's, he's clearly going for an Oscar nomination. <laughs> he's he's seen Jonah Hill do this kind of thing in an Aaron Sorkin film, um, Moneyball. <laughs> Thought, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. Uh, I don't think he got the Oscar nomination, but he was he was good in it. Uh, it's a, it's a, we've talked about it before, I'm sure, but um, it's a sort of unusual story of, uh, telling of Steve Jobs' life because it's just three different scenes essentially of him launching different products. But it's yeah, Aaron Sorkin is always brilliant in my mm. view. So um, so I really enjoyed that. But my favorite is a film called Fifty Fifty. I don't know if you've seen oh, that's that the one with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And that's it. Yeah. He has cancer diagnosis, right, or something. Yeah, so Jessica Gordon-Levitt's character gets diagnosed with cancer, you say, and um, his best mate is Seth Rogen. You say, always the best friend. Of course, yeah. Um, and uh, Anna Kendrick is playing uh, kind of a count or well, psychotherapist, I guess. Love uh, interest. Uh, there's a bit of that going on. Bryce Dallas Howard is, is his kind of current girlfriend, but they are a bit on the rocks with, which gets a bit shaken by this news, as you might expect. Mm. Yeah, I I think it's a fantastic film. Uh, it's obviously. Uh, it's it's kind of played as a comedy. It's it's but it's well it's played for laughs at times. But I say it probably isn't a comedy. You describe it as a cancer comedy. And it just seems like the mo- most worst, most offensive thing ever. <laughs> and it definitely isn't that. The guy who wrote it, I think, or maybe 
or maybe he was involved in, basically went through this. So I think I either had cancer or his best friend had cancer. So it's, it's kind of based on that story and it's really sensitively told. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So obviously I think you need to be careful who watches it because uh, obviously if it's going to affect you personally. But um, my view of you, I think, yeah, it's funny. It's, it's moving. And it's, I don't think yeah, both Bryce Dice Howard and Anna Kendrick got f- relatively small roles, but I, think, I don't think, I'm not sure I've ever seen them do better. And they're both really, really good in those roles. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend that one. Okay, cool. You going with the uh, forty-year-old virgin is your favourite? Yeah, forty-year-old virgin is my favourite. Do you have a least uh, favourite? Uh, the Green Hornet. I okay. Guess, by. I'm going to go with. Uh, oh, you want to explain why? Well, uh, it stars uh, him as the Green Hornet, right, and Jay Chow, yes. who's a very good singer, by the way. Oh, really? I, yeah, he's very, very popular in asia and he actually performed in the uk once or twice before and his tickets are all sold out as, as well okay mm. huh. but he's not a great actor he's a singer fair enough so yeah yeah it wasn't as bad as i thought it was gonna be uh, no it's a uh, airplane fodder but it's not good uh i'd say my least favorite is anchorman just to be controversial mm, which one uh, anchorman uh i've not seen anchorman so i think many because absolutely everyone i know loved anchorman <laughs> And I was also thinking, why do, why do people love this? <laughs> I don't get it. Um, next time next. on Actor Factor, uh, by special request of my brother, uh, the oh. actor Bill Hader. Is the he's from SNL? Yeah, yeah. So he's done. He's done. A, if I had a look up, he's done an amazing amount of voice work uh, in stuff. Yeah, he is. In. But uh, there you go, comedy comedy actor usually. Bill mm. Hader. Uh, we move on to the quiz, where I believe I have a seven five victory for the year, but based on how much. Uh, I looked at this last night. <laughs> might, might not be, although you did, you did ask me last night, Zijan, what we were quizzing about, suggesting that your research might be as bad as mine. Well, maybe I was just bluffing, right? Uh, maybe, maybe. Just like you and your Harry Potter tickets. Yes, I'll find them. I'm sure I'll find them. Um, I will kick us off. Um, films, film annotation to Philip K. Dick. If I didn't say that. Uh, question one: um, What is the origami creature that Deckard picks up towards the end of Blade Runner? Uh, unicorn, right? Straight off, very good. One nil. Uh, question one: The film Total Recall is loosely based on which Philip K. Dick's short stories? Oh, uh, we can remember it for you wholesale. Yep, that's the one. Um, the Minority Report uh, was originally going to be adapted as a sequel to which film? That's Total Recall. It is. Okay, so we're just sipping through. <laughs> question two: In the Adjustment Bureau, what does Emily Blunt's character Elise Sellers do for a living? Ooh, I've mentioned this so many times in the film as well. Really? So. Oh yeah, she's a dancer. Yeah, see, yeah. <laughs> give me some. I've, I've seen the film a couple of times. Though. It's a good film. Weird. Um, speaking of, oh, I've given the answer away. David Norris is the lead character in which film? <laughs> <laughs> the lead character. Yes. Have you given this answer away? Maybe. <laughs> what? You can't say that. Is that a clue or not? I have no idea. Now I'm so confused. Who knows, Ishan? Who knows? <laughs> which one? Which one? It's not Adjustment Bureau, right? It is the Adjustment Bureau. Yay! Uh, I, I, I had a quick look, so I thought I'd put the words Adjustment Bureau in my question, but it was in fact the answer. So I kind of gave oh. that one away a little bit. But, um, oh, awkward. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Three, question two. three from me. Ben Affleck won a Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Actor for his role in Paycheck and two other films. Name either one of them in that same year. Oh, me. right. But they're not Philip K. Dick films, so yes. Uh, no, he... Well... Because his role in Paycheck, Paycheck is a Philip K. Dick film. Yeah, yeah. Want, yeah. Um, oh dear, Ben Affleck. 
So everyone hated uh, Pearl Harbor, but that seems that must have been too early. Maybe it's not. Uh, he did some really. He did a whole row of bad films. So he did. This, this is did. difficult to. Uh, oh, I'm gonna say uh, Armageddon. No, you can say either Jiggly. Oh, of course, yeah. And Daredevil. Uh, okay. He was nominated. Yeah, he won the Raspberry for all three films. Yeah, I'm getting to it too early, isn't it? Um, Question four for you. Which film is loosely based on the short story The Golden Man? (sighs) Wow. The Golden Man. The Golden Man. The Golden Golden Man. So I I know what Blade Runner is based on. It's not that. Um, Minority Report is Minority Report. So it's Adjustment Bureau is Adjustment Something. Uh, so the others that I've seen, what's Total Recall? Oh, Total Recall is based on what I've told you already. Uh, so it has to be something that I've not mentioned before. So it's, there are Screamers, I think, and there is Paycheck, I which I mentioned, but I don't know what it's based on. So I'm going to go with Screamers. Um, it's next. Uh, anyway, that's so a it's long. A, it's a Nicholas Cage film, I think, actually. That way. Is it really? Wow. Uh, so question four in Minority Report, which I know you've seen many times. Uh, twice, but <laughs> the character John Anderton interpret the precox visions using a visual reality interface. Okay, this differs from the short story where Anderton uses what old school device instead. I don't. I don't have a clue. Um, Haven't you read the book? No, I've not read the book. Um, an old school device. Um, is it? How, I don't even know when this book was written. Uh, a desktop computer. It's a punch cut machine. Fair enough. Um, okay, that would have been a terrible film. Um, <laughs> uh, question five for you. If you get this right, you've won again. Uh, which Asian director directed Paycheck? Uh, John Woo. John Woo, very good. It's 4-2. Question five for me, just for you to you know get some points. Sure. The upcoming film Blade Runner 2049. Is set how many years after the original Blade Runner? Ooh, uh, I'm going to say 30 years. You're right. Excellent. It matters nothing. <laughs> um, okay, good work. 7-6 uh, for the year, I think. We're clawing it back. Um, awesome. What is our quiz topic for next time? Because Mother! Exclamation mark is out in the cinemas. Yes. We're doing Darren Aronofsky's films. Cool. Okay. Um, our main topic for next time, we, we're going to go for the top 10 films beginning with the letter C. <laughs> um, in honour of our title C to Z and the fact that it would be too hard to do Z. Um, <laughs> Zoolander, Zootopia, Zootropolis. Zulu, Zombieland. Yeah. There's, there's loads of them. Um, I think we can be generous and say if it begins with the something, then that yep. can still count as C. Yes, I agree. As long as that. Otherwise, it's just silly. Um, if you want to let us know your favourite films, beginning with the letter C, get in touch with the show. Um, we're C to Z of Movies at gmail.com or on Twitter at C to Z of Movies. Or if you know either of us, just tell us. Um, this is our first top 10 format, so I'm not quite sure how it's going to work, but we'll figure it out. Exactly. As we, we do all... everything, every day yeah. anyway. Yeah. And we'll see you then. Bye. <laughs>